What is up? What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the All In Man Cave Podcast. You know me, your host, Cole Haight, coming from you live, Pennsylvania, Eastern Pennsylvania to be specific, at least more specific. Uh, it is absolutely freezing. Uh, high temperatures today in the mid-30s with a wind chill in the high 20s. It's absolutely wild. Uh, the only thing, and I learned this from a lot of my family growing up, the only thing worse in Pennsylvania than the roads is the weather uh, because it's extremely bipolar. It's absolutely insanity. Uh, we've had a few days below freezing, was really hoping to get out on the golf course, uh, get to the driving range, get myself ready for this golf season. Uh, it's going to be super good. We got the Masters coming up in like a week. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Golf is back. A lot more people are watching it. Uh, a lot more people are taking it in. And it's it's a good thing to see because when I was growing up, uh, this is, let's say, the early 2000s uh, to the mid-2000s, even into the late 2000s, golf was the sport that nobody wanted to be a participant in nor watch. And I know a lot more people now uh, than in my in my earlier years uh, that watch golf or play golf as they've gotten older. So uh, multiple things you could take from that being uh, maybe you got to be older to enjoy golf, which is not true for me, but could possibly be true for others. But let's talk sports today. Uh, we haven't dabbled really into March Madness. We haven't really dabbled into the NBA a bit. I've got a few things to take away uh, from the NBA and from March Madness. And and we'll talk some NFL stuff as well because we always will. We always will talk NFL. Uh, it's the sport that seems to last the longest throughout the calendar year uh, compared to other sports out there. So uh, we're going to get into some sports stuff today, but probably a relatively short podcast. Uh, if you guys did not listen to uh, our MLB podcast, another MLB pod with the boys, uh, Tyler and Tim were on it. Please check the feed wherever you listen to podcasts uh, and give me a follow on Twitter at All in Man Cave Pod. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Uh, any questions, any feedback, anything uh, would be greatly appreciated. So let's hop right in. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament. Now, this year was the first year, probably since I was in high school, uh, that I didn't actually make a bracket, whether it be for money or just for fun. Did not make a bracket this year, just went in on a few teams uh, after the uh, entire uh, lineup was set. Uh, starting with the first round all the way up until now that I kind of liked and would root for uh, in this tournament. Uh, there's only four left, uh, the Fantastic Four, the Final Four, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Duke versus North Carolina is going to be this weekend, uh, as well as Kansas and Villanova. Those are your four teams. Uh, just a little bit. Uh, did dabble some money on Kansas and their unders based on the way their defense has been playing. Uh, Kansas has looked good. North Carolina has looked good as well. Uh, Duke, uh, surprisingly, last year did not make any type of run. Uh, but this year, uh, coming into the tournament, they've had a few games that look eh. Uh, and basically, that's all I can say about it. Uh, they looked okay in a few games, and they had a few stinkers as well. Uh, typically, that happens, though, with with high-end ACC uh, uh, tournament teams, uh, not to mention just regular season teams as well. The ACC is strong in basketball, and we've ended up with, with four Blue Bloods in the Final Four. So uh, Villanova, closest to my house, probably only, uh, if I had to guess, maybe 50 miles away. Uh, not too far from Villanova, a Philadelphia, surrounding Philadelphia area school. 
Uh, I'll, I'll be rooting for Villanova, although their chances in the tournament uh, to beat Kansas with two players in their top seven uh, that they like to play uh, in every game, and they have basically uh, relied on throughout the tournament and throughout the regular season. We'll miss this game uh, due to injury. So Villanova's at a bit of a uh, is, a, is at a bit of a crossroads here, and to figure out how to beat a Kansas team who's been playing well. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And then on the flip side, you've got Duke and North Carolina. Uh, that's a It's a premier uh, duo and battle that happens every year. This is Coach K's last year, uh, historic, uh, amazing head basketball coach for Duke uh, and has been there and has made that, that organization uh, completely and utterly a powerhouse. Uh, if I could, I can't really choose any other word to describe it. Uh, Duke's been amazing at basketball since I've been alive, uh, due mostly to how good Coach K is as a coach. Uh, so there's a lot of Duke fans out there. Duke is basically the New England Patriots with Tom Brady of NCAA basketball. Uh, I will never go out and root for Duke every year, uh, but shout out to to one of my friends, Brian. Uh, great NCAA college mind in terms of betting on teams. Teams. Uh, shout out to you uh, and your son as well, who's an awesome baseball player. So shout out to uh, to Brian and his son. I hope you listen to this, honestly, because then what is the worth of the shout out? I hope you do listen to this, Brian. But So let's talk about something real quick. And uh, there's two things I want to take away from the tournament that's happened since it started up until right now. And I never really took into consideration the way the tournament's set up and kind of the inconsistencies that kind of make it for I, I don't really want to say uh, it, it's a it's a it's a problem uh, but it kind of is a problem so first we'll let's talk about the peacocks of, of St Peter's and and we're probably never going to see a 15th seed in the tournament go and make a run like they did uh, up until this point so a 15th seed, uh, for everybody out there that's minorly into NCAA basketball or uh, just does not understand the the magnitude of what a 15 seed is, it's one of the last uh, seeded teams to get in the tournament. Typically, your smaller divisions in college basketball, the winner of those conferences and of those divisions, um, leagues, whatever you want to call them, because I'm no NCAA expert, uh, but... Uh, St. Peter's made it in a smaller school. I think they said on TV, I watched a few of their games when they were going through their Cinderella run, uh, that they have like 2,000 students total, uh, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. I went to a relatively small state school uh, in Kutztown University, and we had way more than 2,000 students. Uh, So there was almost... uh, 1100 I think there was actually 1400 a little over 1400 people just in my major uh, at a very small Pennsylvania state school uh, and this is a really small New Jersey state school which is not too far away from where I'm at so uh, St. Peter's 15th seed uh, took down a lot of opponents that did not nobody expected St. Peter's to make this run it was a historic run uh, for a college team in the NCAA tournament and it's actually good to see. I like to see it. I like to see teams. Uh, there's. I know it was a little bit ago, uh, but when Lehigh, who was actually right in my backyard, Lehigh uh, with C.J. McCollum actually went out and beat Duke as a 16th seed. Uh, but that was one game. St. Peter's went out and made three very quality wins uh, against 
Kentucky, which is a blue blood school, especially for the tournament. Uh, Murray State, as well as Purdue, uh, who, uh, if Brian's listened to this, and he's probably the only one I've talked to about it, but Purdue looked like a fake team uh, at the end of their regular season going into the tournament, uh, and they got beat by St. Peter's, the Peacocks. Uh, so, it, listen, uh, Purdue had a lot of hype. Kentucky had a lot of hype. There's a lot of people I know that pick Kentucky to win it all. Uh, it did not happen because they lost to the St. Peter's Peacocks uh, in, in relatively early in the tournament. So, just wanted to give a shout-out to St. Peter's. Great to see a Cinderella story in there. Uh, it's, it's, it's not uh, often that you see smaller colleges get onto a national stage and make noise. And in this tournament... Uh, because college basketball, let's be honest, has lost a little bit of interest uh, in the regular season at least, and their season seems like it's only a few weeks long uh, or however long you even last in the tournament. Uh, so uh, March Madness is real. It's real around the United States. Probably even gets some interest uh, from countries that aren't even uh, close to the United States, to be quite honest with you. But uh, it, listen, it's great to see a team like that make a run. Uh, they were able to play with... Uh, and had they had a solid head coach who has now accepted a new position at Seton Hall, ironically right after they lost uh, to the North Carolina Tar Heels in the Elite Eight, I believe. So it's, listen, it's great to see. It's a great story. Uh, a lot of those players are never going to forget it, and they're part of history now. But let's switch a little bit because uh, I've talked to a lot of people, and I didn't even realize that this was as much, as a, much of a problem as it actually is. College basketball, in terms of their rankings, and the rankings work the same way college football works, uh, 1 to 25, uh, in terms of ranked teams in the country. Uh, college basketball does not use strength of schedule in their rankings, whereas college football does. And that's and that's a huge problem. Uh, the, the biggest example that I can make right now and the most influential example is Gonzaga. So Gonzaga had a lot, the number one overall seed in this tournament. Uh, they seem to have uh, close to 30 wins, especially in the last five years. But they don't play anybody good up until the tournament. And then the media seems to spin it like they should have won games that maybe they shouldn't have won. And don't get me wrong, Gonzaga's a great program. They have a great head coach uh, that gets them a decent amount of wins versus a very small amount of losses. So you can't really blame the coaches or the players. But from a national aspect, you have to understand that Gonzaga's playing Portland. They're playing Pepperdine. They're playing teams in a very weak conference in terms of NCAA basketball to earn a number one overall spot. And then when they play a team from the ACC, from the SEC, uh, and and in recent years, SEC and ACC teams shoot well. Uh, they typically have a high-paced, fast-paced offense, and they are able to shoot the three really well. Uh, and they lost to a very, very solid Arkansas team who was obviously underdogs considering Gonzaga was the number one overall seed in this tournament going into this tournament. But but we really need to talk about how college basketball needs to adopt the strength of schedule in terms of ranking their teams uh, going into the tournament and when they're voting on teams who are going to be last four in, first four in, uh, and, and last four out depending on what you're looking at and at what round or at what point in the season. 
So Gonzaga playing a Portland, playing a, uh, playing teams that are not to the same caliber as a Duke, a North Carolina, a Virginia Tech. Uh, yes, Virginia Tech had f- over three times the amount of losses as Gonzaga, but they have to play Duke. They have to play. They have to play North Carolina. They have to play Wake Forest. They have to play teams that overall are way better. It, not even just in terms of record, but overall skill, recruiting. Uh, it, it it depends. And yes, it's very biased in in the NCAA. It's very biased. A smaller school, less funding, less people, less recruits. That's just basically how it goes. Sometimes you get the unfortunate bad end of the stick. Uh, but you have a Miami team, you have teams in the ACC, you have teams in the SEC who are playing top caliber teams, uh, possibly going, what, 20 and 12, uh, 20 and 14, 22 and 16, wh- whatever their total amount of games is. You have them doing that and Gonzaga going 30 and 3, but they play Portland three times. So it's a, it's, it's a give or take. And honestly, I, and I was talking to Brian about this, I gave him a shout out before. Uh, We talk NCAA, and he's a very knowledgeable dude in terms of talking about NCAA basketball, how it works, how teams run. It's just, it makes sense. There needs to be strength of schedule involved in in, in the tournament uh, in terms of their overall ranking system as a whole. Follow the same same path as the college football experience, and and it should make it for a better tournament, and it should give real rankings to, to teams. And honestly, the only way it's probably still like that is for for the betting odds out there. You have a Gonzaga playing against a team where they're clearly the number one overall seed. Seed they've been named it. They've been named the number one overall seed in the tournament, and they're playing an SEC team who may be an eighth seed, a ninth seed. And it looks like you should take Gonzaga because they're a number one seed against a nine seed. Why wouldn't you? And how many games they've won this season. But who are, who, what is their competition? It Was their competition good enough for them to earn a number one overall seed? I think no, which is why I was never a fan of Gonzaga. When you give teams like St. Peter's in a smaller conference, winning that conference, giving them a 15th seed, coming into the tournament and you get this Cinderella story, they're properly placed in this tournament as a 15th seed. That You didn't see St. Peter's ranked number one. They weren't a number one overall seed in a region. They play in a smaller region. They won good. They won solid games all year with great play, with great shooters, with a solid coach, and they were able to make a run in the tournament, which is what you want to see. But Gonzaga being a number one overall seed, ridiculous. Now these games will be this weekend, and then we'll get to the to the final. Uh, college basketball has been a solid betting a, a betting platform for me for the past few months. So sad to see it go, to be honest. Uh, but to support my man Brian, who is a huge Duke fan, I will be rooting for Duke uh, unless they play Villanova in the final. That's the only way I will not root for Duke. And I listen. I've hated. I, I hate teams that are successful for too long and seem to run dynasties. I tend to hate those teams. Uh, just for me personally. Uh, the, the, the New England Pages with Tom Brady hated them. The New York Yankees with every single solid year that they had. Uh, I don't remember exact years, but growing up, the Yankees were a powerhouse. Hate the Yankees. Uh, not a huge fan of the Dallas Cowboys. The, the, these are teams that... Uh, have built and have had solid dynasties uh, throughout a decade and or more. 
uh, in in sports history. I just tend to hate those type of teams. Uh, but the team that Duke consists of right now, I 100% respect it. They have a lot of players that are solid. They're going to have four out of their five starters drafted in the first round of the NBA draft this year uh, with their point guard not too far behind in the second round as well. So they're going to have five draftable players in, in every game that they play. Uh, from now until the final if they make it there. But I will be rooting for the blue. The blue, uh, Look at me. I can't even say it because I'm not even that much of a fan. The Duke Blue Devils. I will be rooting for the Duke Blue Devils against North Carolina this weekend uh, to get into the final for the NCAA tournament. All right, let's switch gears and go into the NBA. Uh, just a few notes because I told you guys that we're going to do an NBA podcast. Uh, I got a few buddies of mine, good friends uh, from work that want to come on and talk about the NBA uh, going into the playoffs. So we're not going to go hardcore into the NBA. Uh, but I have a few things to take away from from the NBA season up until now. Uh, there's three teams I'm really looking at that seem interesting to make a run in the playoffs. Uh, and those teams are the Sun Celtics and the Mavericks. Now, all three of these teams have had different paths and have different team setups, to be honest, in terms of strength of players, the skills of players, and even the team and how it's orchestrated. So the Suns have had injuries all season, but they're so solid that they continue to win games. Uh, the Suns 61-14, and 14, I think I checked that yesterday. Uh, so they might even be 62-14, and 14, but I think 61-4, and 4, that's a lot of wins. Uh, and they've missed Chris Ball. They've missed Devin Booker for a few games. Their team is constructed so solidly that it, 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 they almost never hit a team under. Uh, and if you do team over or unders uh, for the NBA, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. The Suns score, and they score a lot. Uh, the 76ers have been stingy. Uh, they played them the other night. They've been very stingy on the defensive side, and nobody seems to be able to score against them. They put up 114. Uh, listen, it's uh, the Suns, they, they, they have the ability to put up 130, 140 points a game, and it doesn't really seem to matter who they're playing. So keep an eye on the Suns. Uh, we move on to the Celtics, and the Celtics in the first half of the NBA season looked awful. Uh, maybe not awful. Maybe awful's a little bit, a little bit strong there. Uh, they didn't look good, though. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that duo uh, with Marcus Smart, who really couldn't figure it out in the first half of the season. Now they've been probably the hottest team in basketball since the All-Star break, basically in the second half of the season. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have been awesome. And not only that, but Marcus Smart, uh, kind of basically owning his role on that team. If if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to be the, the two go-tos, he's owning his role on that team. And and they played the Raptors last night, and they put on a show uh, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both out of that game, as well as two other role shooters uh, in terms of three-point shooters, in terms of guys coming off the bench. They had four people out of that game, and Marcus Smart basically got that team ready to go, uh, and they made a solid run at beating the Raptors, who have also been hot lately. Uh, and they only won, I think what the final score was 115-112. to 112. So kudos to the Boston Celtics. If they can stay hot going into the playoffs, uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and then we get to my pick for the NBA. Uh, and this is the most interesting one. So I, uh, we don't talk basketball often on this podcast. And this is, uh, we're, what, 20 minutes into this podcast and we've talked only about basketball so far. Probably a record. It's definitely a record for this podcast. Might even be a record for me, honestly as a person. 
uh, because I'm a football guy. I, I will dabble in any type of sport, uh, dig into any type of story that's happening within any of the sports. But football and golf are my main two sports. I will always watch baseball, basketball, and whatever it is that's on with the sports craving and the immense amount of sports cravings I have throughout the day. But listen, the Mavericks are doing things that don't make any sense. Uh, Luka Doncic, uh, considered the next and closest thing we're going to get to a LeBron James. Uh, Since LeBron was in his prime, and yes, I believe LeBron is out of his prime now. But listen, Luka Doncic and a bunch of average players. And by average, I'm just going off of if you were to play NBA 2K on any game system, nobody else on the Mavericks will be above an 80 besides Luka Doncic. He's making worse players look better. And he is playing well as well. And I like the Mavs to make a decent run. They would be my Cinderella pick going into the NBA playoffs. I'm sure we're going to talk about it again, but I I like the Mavericks. And I like what Luka does under pressure. He's beaten the Clippers and a solid Clippers team with solid defenders the past two years. He's had a lot of success against that organization, which has had solid play, not even just last year, but this year even without some of their stud players. So I like the way the Mavericks look uh, going in as well. So those are three teams to take a look at, especially if you guys are betting out there. Uh, Listen, alt the spreads, uh, alternate them. Uh, If you like like an under, put it up higher and then take the under and and vice versa for an over. Take the over, but, but under it a little bit. Uh, and alt it to a lower number and take the over. But those teams, uh, those teams, the Suns, Celtics, and Mavs, I think have a decent shot at making a run in the playoffs uh, when it comes NBA playoff time. But let's talk about the most polarizing news in the NBA. Let's talk about the Lakers and the the Nets. So LeBron James has had a very non-LeBron James-like season this year uh, for more than one reason. Uh, LeBron has a possible shot at winning the scoring title uh, for the most amount of points scored per game in the season, uh, throughout the season, uh, and he is not known as a scorer. Now, we're not going to get into GOAT debate in here. We're not going to get into any of that shit that the the media loves to just eat up. Uh, I am a LeBron James fan. I have been a LeBron James fan since I was a kid. Uh, I love the way, uh, what he's done with basketball, the player that he is, as well as what he is off of the court in terms of his businesses, him being a businessman, as well as his uh, foundational stuff, what he does uh, for his community and, and what have you. Love LeBron James, the person and the player. I'm, we're not getting into a GOAT debate, but this is not a season LeBron is used to. Since he was drafted by the Cavaliers uh, way back in yonder, it, listen, their team is awful. And you want to know why their team is awful? Uh, because the NBA is starting to shift, and and it's shifting in a way of more acceleration, if I can put it in a more scientific uh, phrase. Uh, it, it's acceler- accelerating quickly. Uh, to a point where you being athletic and you able to play defense is is basically determining how your team is performing. So the, the Lakers cannot play defense. LeBron has constructed and or had a say in a lot of these players that they've they've gotten on this team, whether it be Carmelo Anthony, DJ August, Augustine, uh, Dwight Howard. They have a lot of older players uh, that you might see maybe in an all-star 
in an all-star type situation maybe in like 2012, uh, 2010, maybe even before that. But they have a lot of older players that can't play defense, and therefore, because they're older, they're not as athletic. So LeBron James knows that the Lakers are currently the 10th seed. The the 10th seed gets a, a, a shot at the play-in. Uh, they're in the play-in tournament to get into the playoffs. Uh, they're only one game out of that. I believe they're actually tied, but they're losing the tiebreaker to the Pelicans. Uh, LeBron James is making a point, and he's making a point that he can do whatever he wants on the court, even at his age. So for all the LeBron haters out there, this is probably not what you want to hear. Uh, but LeBron James, being as old as he is, he's still able to do whatever he wants on the court. Uh, he played on a basically uh, not di- I want I don't want to say dislocated ankle, uh, but a very heavily sprained ankle. If you watch the the replays from them or from him in the in the 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 sequence of him actually hurting his ankle in that last game, played the entire second half even knowing that he had the huge ankle injury. Uh, LeBron James is able to get whatever he wants. And listen, he can't do it all himself. Yes, he's older. Yes, he doesn't play defense the way he used to when he was younger. Uh, His effort seems to be a little bit down. He's embraced a role player uh, mentality on that team, uh, shooting three-pointers, shooting them better than he has uh, probably overall in his career uh, not maybe for most of the teams he played for his three-point shooting is not awful it's not great but it's not awful and it's it hasn't even gotten worse since he's embraced the role-playing role um, but he's not getting any help and the problem is is that the players are either uh, not great in terms of skill set or they're relatively old and have off shooting nights but they can't play defense so they can't score enough points to win games and yes they're 31 and 43. Uh, but I'll tell you what, any team that's out there, if they have to face LeBron James at all, whether it be in a play-in tournament, uh, whether it be in the first round of the playoffs, whatever the situation is, nobody wants to play LeBron James in the first round. Nobody wants to play LeBron James in a play-in game. Uh, one game determines it all. Nobody wants to do that because LeBron James is a top two player in NBA history. And regardless of where you fall on what side of number one or number two you're on, you cannot tell me that there's a player that's not Michael Jordan that offers the same thing to a team and to the game of basketball that LeBron James offers. And that's where I'm going to stand in the NBA. More to come on the NBA, for sure, as we get closer to the playoffs. I will definitely have two of my buddies uh, that we love talking basketball for in terms of betting odds. Uh, because I don't follow basketball on a nightly basis. However, we'll definitely watch some watch some NBA and dabble in it from time to time. But let's switch down to the NFL. So we've had three things I want to take away from this. Uh, and since the, our last NFL podcast, which was exactly a week ago from today, just three things I want to bring bring to your guys' attention and give you kind of some some insight on. So... The Deshaun Watson press conference announcing him as a Cleveland Brown. So we talked about Deshaun Watson. Uh, he got traded to the Browns. He got the highest paid guaranteed money in terms of NFL history for a quarterback. At, he made a lot of money, and they structured structured his contract uh, so that he would make more at the end of his contract versus the beginning, not only because it helps out the current salary cap, but because they don't know if he's going to be suspended for 22 civil lawsuits. Uh 
going against him right now for sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, and what have you with 22 different massage therapists. Uh, But basically, the whole press conference was awkward, and the owner of the Browns did not show up. They held their own uh, press conference without without being there with Deshaun Watson. Uh, He answered the questions as anybody would uh, if you had a lawyer and you had these type of things against you. Uh, Don't talk much. Be very general. That's how it was. That's how I took it uh, when rewatching it multiple times. And based on the owners and the teams uh, meeting this week about rules uh, in terms of the NFL and possible rule changes, we heard some stuff from Kevin Stefanski. Uh, We heard from the Browns GM as well. They made a decision about football, uh, but I don't think that they realize what that decision means uh, in terms of the public and how they're going to view this organization moving forward. Now, whether he's it doesn't matter what the result of these civil lawsuits are, whether he would be um, subject to any type of criminal uh, criminal anything in terms of sentencing, in terms of being ple- being guilty, pleading guilty. As of right now, there is no guilty plea. We don't know what happened. We have accounts from individuals. We have accounts from individuals close to those individuals. We have a lot of information. But no determining factor has been said. Is he guilty? Is he not? Was he found? As of right now, no human being besides Deshaun Watson and these 22 individuals know what happened and what the what the move was uh, in terms of uh, did this happen the way they're saying it or did it happen the way he said it? So we cannot make a determination right now whether he's right, whether he's wrong, but the stigma will be there. And, and it seems like they're trying to get Baker Mayfield out of that building as a starting quarterback. And, and they're going to do it relatively soon, definitely before the season starts at the latest. Uh, but they're trying to move on. And, and the, the GM or the owner or someone who leaked to Chris Mortensen that they needed an adult in the room, now it kind of looks like you're slapping the, va- the fans in the face. Uh, because now you you have an individual who's accused of all of these things and you brought him in and paid him a lot more money than you were paying uh, the child, in quotation marks, that was your quarterback last season. The child that played through injury for that football team. Listen, nobody's perfect. I get it. But if they think that the outlook of the Cleveland Browns is going to look better with Deshaun Watson uh, versus Baker Mayfield at the cost that they gave Deshaun Watson – in terms of a guaranteed contract, they are on something that they should be sharing with the world. It's absolutely wild to think about that an organization can try and push out somebody who may or may not be mature enough to lead a football team, but then trust their football team with someone who's accused of this. Now, don't get me wrong. If all of this ended up being a coup and all 22 women are making this up to try and exploit him for money, then I'm completely off on this. Completely off. However... If it comes out that some of this stuff is proved to be a fact or he settles these court cases out of court and pays these women to go away, I don't understand how the the Browns and that organization, especially the hierarchy in terms of GM, in terms of head coach, I don't know how they get out of this for the rest of their careers. This decision might ruin all of their careers because it's going to look awful and it's going to look terrible not only for all of their fans 
because half of their fan base right now, more than half of their fan base right now, hates this decision. 60 to 70% don't want Deshaun Watson or are not do not like Deshaun Watson stepping into this role. And that was posted on Twitter, whether it's true or not. I can see how that's possible because 100% of their female fans are definitely not a fan. And, and a, a big part of the male race as well that are fans is just like, what is happening right now? Like, and that's just about as honest as I can get about it. Listen, that what what he's being accused of is absolutely disgusting and should never be tolerated or should never happen to any individual. But if you're in a, you're the owner and you're the GM and you're the head coach of a multi-billion dollar NFL team, why do you how do you think that this is a good idea? And how did they think people were going to respond to it? They better have been prepared because they're going to be answering questions about this for months, if not years, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson. Moving forward, real quick note, and this doesn't have to go hardcore into, uh, we don't have to super analyze this, but there were rumors out there about Tom Brady reaching out, trying to formulate a trade to the Miami Dolphins uh, to play for Mike McDaniel. Uh, And Mike McDaniel was actually interviewed, and this is what I mentioned before, it was part of the uh, press conferences that were surrounding these teams uh, in terms of them being um, there for the owners and the team meetings about overtime rules, about rules, rule changes, possible rule changes, uh, and discussions of that nature. But Mike McDaniel went on the podium and basically called it fake news. Now, there's going to be people out there that are going to be like, wow, he just said it's fake news because they don't, he doesn't want anyone to think that it's actually real. I do not think it the way Bruce Arians has talked, the way Tom Brady came out of retirement, and what he's been talking about in terms of his Twitter, uh, in terms of the statements that he's made, I don't think Tom Brady wants to play anywhere but Tampa Bay. And that's just my opinion. Uh, however, he hasn't had an inkling. I, it doesn't seem like he wants a move. And Bruce Arians made it quite clear that they would not trade him if it does not benefit their team. And how would a Tom Brady trade benefit the Buccaneers? Hold on. I'll wait. It wouldn't. So I don't think the, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with their GM coming out and saying that Tom Brady always had the, they always left the light on for Tom to come back out of retirement. Bruce Arians and his comments about the team not ever trading Tom Brady because uh, it's not good business and the, his teammates that he's influenced and the people that have signed there and what they had going, especially in that division now moving forward, I don't think there's a chance in hell Tom Brady changes teams. Even with this fake news that was out there about him possibly trying to plant his plane ticket uh, to Miami and to not return to Tampa, although very close together. So maybe he drove instead of took a plane. And lastly, what the biggest trade and the biggest offseason move since we were last on this podcast talking NFL and talking football, but Tyreek Hill is traded from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins uh, for five picks in the draft. And then the Dolphins, after acquiring him, signed him to a four-year, $120 million extension. Uh, $72.5 million of that is fully guaranteed. Listen, there's going to be hard decisions made. And Greg, my buddy Greg, you guys know him. I've mentioned him multiple times. Huge Chiefs fan. And listen, don't get me wrong. Losing your best receiver that you've had on that team uh, for, what, four, five, possibly six years. I don't even know exactly how long he's been in the NFL. But for as long as he's been on that football team, he has been a 
he has been a fabulous addition uh, and he's been a deep threat. He's he's made improvements to his personal football skills in terms of route running, in terms of his hands, uh, and playing different positions on the field in terms of wide receiver one, two, three, the slot. Uh, he's also taken, uh, he's been in the run game and involved in the run game as well on sweeps, on pass backs, on pitches, on, on a plethora of other things. But listen, Greg and the Chiefs fans out there, I need everyone to take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out. The Kansas City Chiefs still have the best quarterback in the league and one of the best coaches in the league in Andy Reid. They were able to get Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They were able to get Juju Smith-Schuster. They were able to make moves in free agency to supplement production Although those those the the production of Tyree Kill and Tyree Kill as a person and as a player can never or probably will never be able to be cloned. You're not going to find another Tyree Kill in the draft with those draft picks, most likely, and you're probably never going to see a player again that looks like Tyree Kill and plays like Tyree Kill. However, Travis Kelsey is still on that squad. They went out and signed Ronald Jones as a as a capable running back. Uh, from Tampa Bay because of the injuries to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and the fact that his availability really hasn't been the best uh, since he was drafted by them in the draft. They still have a solid offensive line. They can now take all of the picks used by Tyree Kill or, or used to uh, that they got in the Tyree Kill trade to address holes on their defense. The Chiefs are not going to literally fall off the planet in one season and end up being an 8-9 and nine football team. It's not going to happen. So there's a lot of overreactors out there, whether it be on Twitter and real life. Uh, listen, yes, you don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, but you have you, you went out and signed Corey Coleman for literally nothing. He's He was great after he was drafted, uh, first-round pick, uh, drafted out of Baylor. He's a, a smaller guy, but he's got speed. He's a good route runner. His, his whole entire career has been determined by injury. So you get him solid. You get Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been basically a wide receiver for half of Ben Roethlisberger for the past two, three years. And, and you go out and you get Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who ha- can can absolutely fly and faster than Tyreek Hill when clocked in the NFL, if you guys didn't see that meme out there. The only person that was faster than Tyreek Hill clocked last year was Marquez Valdez-Scantling, former Green Bay wide receiver uh, of Aaron Rodgers uh, for the Packers. But they're going to make a decent, solid start. Uh, and then you still have McCole Hardman that's coming back w- with Travis Kelsey and those three guys. I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. They might actually, uh, depending on uh, the, how they set up this offense and how they they set up the wide receivers uh, with how they're going to work it uh, as they work as a tandem, the plays that they kind of create for these receivers, it might actually be better uh, with these three versus just Tyreek Hill. Uh, because Demarcus Robinson has been reliable, but he has some drops. Uh, Byron Pringle got claimed. He's off the team. And you got Miko Hardman, who, don't get me wrong, was pretty good coming out of Georgia. Uh, but Miko Hardman is not a number two wide receiver. He's not even a number three. Uh, he's a he, The Chiefs should be using McCall Hardman as a gadget guy uh, because every time they run a sweep with him, uh, when they run him on a solid route where he's the fourth option, Uh, Maybe three guys doing a drag and one guy going deep. He finds his way open. But you don't want McCall Hardman uh, to be your number two. And now you can utilize McCall Hardman 
uh, as a Kansas City at, for the Kansas City Chiefs. McCall Hardman can be used now, similar to a Cordero Patterson. Uh, similar to that type player where you can use him multiple ways uh, and get the most out of him rather than just sticking him out wide uh, on 70% of his snaps. All right, guys, that is the podcast today. I know it's a little bit shorter, um, but please check the feed for any podcast you guys could have missed. I'm going to have a few, probably going to stick to two podcasts a week. We're going to have the NBA pod uh, that's going to come out before the playoffs start. Uh, so look forward to that for all the basketball fans out there, or at least hardcore basketball fans out there. Remember, add me on Facebook, Cole Hate, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y-D as in dog, T as in Tom. Add, uh, follow me on Twitter, at All in Man Cave Pod, uh, as well as just share the podcast word of mouth. I really appreciate it. All the new, new listeners out there, all the listeners that have been with me from the beginning, once in the United States, not in the United States, Far from Pennsylvania, close to Pennsylvania, whoever you are, I really appreciate it. We'll be back probably Thursday or Friday with the next pod. And until then, appreciate all the support from everybody out there. But like I always say, later. Later.